The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Welcome to the third and final hour of uh, the Talking Point here on SFM 104 to 107 Nationwide. Join the conversation whenever you want on 086-000-2032. That's 86 0002032 or the WhatsApp line 0614104107. That's 0614104107. The SMS line is 41391. That's 41391. And uh, that SMS comes to you at around 50. So, employees who report for duty under the influence of alcohol or drugs present a real problem in the workplace. The use of alcohol or drugs affects an employee's sight, speech, coordination and reaction speed. In addition, employees working with, uh, for example, machinery or driving a vehicle whilst under the influence pose a high risk to the employer and themselves and their colleagues. It is then the employer's responsibility to create a safe working environment for all employees and must always act in accordance with the applicable disciplinary code. Are zero tolerance policies effective when it comes to addressing the social impact that substance abuse has on the workplace? Are they adequate um, are there sorry adequate support groups for employees who are seeking help? Are these interventions against only skewed um, against or only skewed to intoxication and consumption with Without looking at the implications of, for example, possession, and are all employees aware of the consequence management of these rules, or if these rules are broken? To answer some of these questions, we're joined by Teshas Vessels, who's a legal director at Strategy Labor Solutions. We're also joined by Rice Evans, who's a managing director at Alcosafe. Good morning to the both of you. And maybe, uh, let me start with you, Tashas. What are the key, uh, you know, sort of benefits of implementing a zero-tolerance policy for alcohol or and or substance abuse in a workplace, in a working environment? Good morning. Good morning, KG. Good morning, Rice. And good morning to all the listeners. Um, yes, KG, I think there's, there's quite a bit of benefits attached to the introduction of a zero-tolerance policy towards um, alcohol and substance abuse. We all know um, since the COVID-19 pandemic that the Occupational Health and Safety Act um, places an obligation on employers to create and maintain a safe and healthy working environment. And I believe that zero tolerance policies can aid and assist both employers and employees in ensuring that the working environment remains a safe working environment in that it also ensures that people are aware of the rules, what the expectations are from the employer's side, um, and what are the do's and don'ts, don'ts when it comes to alcohol and, and substance in the workplace. Um, we also find that often people that have uh, alcohol or substance dependency problems um, are able to seek assistance from their employers through the means of a sub or zero tolerance policies. And we often see that it aids employers in ensuring that there's overall an increase in pro- productivity um, within the workplace. 
So, you know, I want to stay on that before I, I invite a rise into the conversation. So what legal considerations should employers then be aware of when they implement this zero tolerance policy? I think in, what a, employers should know that there's not really one size fits all um, kind of approach when it comes to alcohol and substance abuse in the workplace. Um, what is especially needed when dealing with a policy, a zero tolerance policy, is that the policy has to be very clearly and accurately defined and specifically deal with those situations where an employee either reports for duty and they are tested by means of breathalyzer, in some cases blood tests, what happens when employees are at a company function where alcohol is being provided? Mm. Um, what happens in circumstances where they are found to be in possession of alcohol? How do you deal with situations where an employee acknowledges that they have a substance dependency problem? Yeah. Um, we saw a couple of years ago that the um, International Labour Organization um, specifically classified addiction as being a mental illness. Yeah. And that changes the way in which we often just want to discipline employees for transgressions relating to um, you know, alcohol and substance abuse in the workplace. And I think that's a great place to let you into the conversation, Rice, uh, the issue of, uh, you know, alcohol dependency syndrome. And, and when an employee acknowledges that, you know, alcohol or drugs are something I am uh, dependent on, and I think it's a valid point that uh, uh, Tesha's brought on the table that it's been declared, a, a, you know, a, a mental illness of sorts, the dependency to alcohol. What what is your take at AlcoSafe? And I wanted to also ask, I've heard the words, people use the word, um, what's the word? They say, I'm a functioning alcoholic. Uh, I've heard that word being used a lot. And they say, I can go to work, I can do everything that I need to do, but I just need yeah, a bit of a dop to function. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show as well. Yeah, look, I just want to start off by saying that I think Tisha has really, you know, brought very good points forward already. Um, I think he's covered everything perfectly in the same way that I would. So I'm 100% in agreement with him on, on everything that he said there. Um, in terms of employees you know, arriving for work um, or with, with dependency type of issues, um, that is exactly why the policy has to be so clear. The policy really needs to stipulate that they, the, that it's a policy to assist in controlling substance abuse. It's, it's not a policy for creating punitive measures to deal with that. Unfortunately, those are some of the, the knock-on effects of it. But the policy should be really there to create a safe working environment for all the employees. So when you do have a, a very clearly communicated policy and a policy that's well thought out and, and written properly, it should also be clear that that policy is there to help people. Um, and people should be able to come forward and ask for assistance prior to the fact of them arriving at a workplace under the influence of alcohol. So unfortunately, when you do have someone who's, a, as you described, a functioning alcoholic, quite often they are actually looking for help and they're too scared too scared to ask for help or mm. they don't know how to go about doing that. Um, it's quite a taboo subject, although it is, as you say, seen as a, a mental illness. Um, but they don't know how to come forward and ask for help or what the, the ramifications of that would be. So when you have a really nicely written out policy and it's communicated clearly to them and they see that they have this opportunity to come and ask for help if they feel like they have a problem, it does give them a way to, to come forward 
prior to being caught arriving at work under the influence, perhaps they want to get help, and now that opportunity has presented itself that they can come forward, ask for help, um, and they're not going to be stigmatized, they're not going to be punished for doing that. They should be given the assistance that, that, they, that they need. I obviously, uh, you know, I, I'm not fully cognizant with the policy. In terms of uh, the issue of acknowledgement, uh, now that we're, we're in agreement with uh, uh, between yourself and Tetris, uh regards the issue of alcohol dependency and that being a, pr- a problem, at what point does an employee acknowledge even the problem, right? Is it because... I'm going to assume you can't acknowledge it at interview time, right, when you're interviewing for that post, because uh, th- there's a possibility that you'll be stigmatized again. Somebody's going to say, I'd rather not deal with that problem because it's going to affect, uh, you know, production levels. Do you acknowledge it when you're working there? Do you acknowledge it once you've been caught? Uh, what happens at what point if we agree that, you know, alcohol dependency is a problem for most people and, and alcoholism is a mental problem? At at what point is the employee obligated to accept their alcoholism, if I can call it that? Yeah, so from my side, um, again, it, it depends on how the policy has been written. But, uh, of course, again, not, not one size fits all. So, so different companies have different views on this. But um, for the most part, the majority of companies that we work with allow an employee at any stage to come forward and ask for assistance. So whether they've been working there for you know a month or for 10 years, um, it, an alcohol dependency problem can develop at any stage. So you may start off working there without the problem um, and, then, and then develop the alcohol dependency problem. So you can then come forward to a designated person, probably someone in HR, and you can describe that you have this problem um, and that you need to get assistance. In most cases, um, companies write policies to state that if you are caught, so let's say you you in the workplace and someone reports you as um, perhaps having suspicious behaviour, you smell like alcohol, you've been mm. aggressive towards other employees, um, or you've caused an accident, mm. then quite often they they don't see that in the same light. They will say that you have been given the opportunity to to come forward and ask for assistance, but you did not take that opportunity, and now you've endangered the rest of the people that you're working around by by coming to work under the influence. So not every company is like that, though. Um, there is a huge number of companies that even if you are caught coming into work or at work under the influence, they will then, on a on a first written warning, allow you the opportunity to then go for, for rehabilitation. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, mm. um, but in general, we do want to see that companies have something written into that substance abuse policy that says, that an employee can at any time come forward and ask for assistance if they develop this dependency issue. Yeah, I like I like that we're also uh, emphasizing the substance part because it's not only alcohol uh, that uh, people can abuse. We're going to continue our conversation. I'm going to go to a quick commercial break and then we continue our conversation uh, around zero to- the zero tolerance policy on alcohol consumption and substance abuse in the workplace. We're talking to Tesha's Vessels, Legal Director at Strategy Labor Solutions and Rice Evans, Managing Director at Alco Safe. It's 11.21. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. 
Welcome back. It's uh, 11.21. We're talking the zero tolerance policy on alcohol consumption in the workplace. Uh, let me bring you back, uh, Tashas, because, you know, I want to talk about the potential challenges or pitfalls that employers may face when implementing uh, that zero tolerance policy. How can they effectively communicate or even enforce it? And does the policy deal uh, as substantially with substances as it does perhaps with alcohol? Yeah, KG, I think, um, you know, one thing is, uh, and the writers also mentioned it now, is that um, this one-size-fits-all approach is never going to really work within an organization. We have to understand that um, a businesses vary in their different size and depending on the different sectors in which they work in. Somebody that has a small um, retail outlet in a in a countryside environment versus a big corporate uh, mining company are are very different from one another. And what businesses really have to do is understand what is it that potentially exposes employees to harm within the working environment Um, and, and really adapt their policies in order to cater around those environments and ensure that employees are being properly inducted informed and educated um, surrounding substance abuse and alcohol abuse in the workplace or the policy and the rules that regulate it. Um, One thing that from a disciplinary perspective is quite key in terms of the Labor Relations Act is that an employer cannot discipline or take disciplinary action against an employee unless the employer is able to show that rules exist Mm. that employees are aware of these rules, that these rules are reasonable and that they are valid Mm. um, and that they are being consistently applied within the workplace. And that's often the challenge that you find is that um, businesses might put um, policies on service and then expect people that might not have access um, to those service on a daily basis just to simply familiarize themselves with the rules. And that's not conducive and that's not effective. Yeah. If we want to ensure that we correct behavior and that we set an, uh, a certain standard of conduct or behavior that's acceptable within the workplace, then we need to take the actions as employers to educate employees. And it doesn't have to be um, costly exercises. You know, we saw during the course of the COVID-19 pandemic how quickly businesses, by putting up posters, um, circulating messages on WhatsApp, was able to inform employees of the rules that have now been implemented in order to safeguard people. And we often just refrain from doing that um, because, you know, when it comes to alcohol or substance abuse. And I often think um, that it's simply because many people think, well, it's your choice. Um, You chose to drink, um, you chose to use um, illegal narcotics or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I'm really going to to discipline you um, for it without having actually a proper understanding of it. Um, You know, if you look at Rice mentioned rehabilitation as a means to assist employees, rehabilitation is not some form of magical cure Mm -hmm. um, to an employee's um, substance um, or addiction. Um, it's a it's a lifestyle change that has to be developed and an employee needs to follow an intense program over a period of time mm-hmm. if they are um, going to maintain a life of sobriety.
Yeah. Uh, you know, join the conversation on 86 uh, Are you an employee? Do you know uh, the, you know, have you read the, the, the policy on alcohol consumption or substance uh, uh, use in in your workplace? Are you cognizant of it? Uh, you know, if, if they have a zero tolerance policy uh, on alcohol or substance abuse at your place of work, uh, how are they enforcing it? You know, what kind of experiences have you had? Does your company have a zero tolerance policy? Have you experienced a colleague, for example, who's been removed from the workplace due to their abuse of alcohol or abuse of, 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 of substances? How did that impact your workflow? Call us on 86 Maybe it didn't affect a colleague. It is you yourself who was affected. Call us and let us know of your experience. Let me stay with you, uh, Tashas. In terms of employers... Because I'm assuming there's a degree of education, right, that has to happen. What sort of steps can employers take to educate their employees about, uh, you know, the dangers of alcohol and the dangers of substance abuse without at the lack of a better choice of words, without sounding too preachy, uh, you know, uh, or having people think uh, they want to impose what we should do or, or how we should live our life outside of the confines of this of this space? I think it's like like most things uh, in life. It's about uh, proper communication um, and proper education. And by taking hands with other organizations that might um, have a better knowledge and understanding of dealing with certain issues. Mm. Um, We know that there are um, many um, credible um, rehabilitation centers, for example, that deal with alcohol and substance abuse um, and that are treating people on a daily basis. And if one can take hands, you know, at, at a run a wellness program or a awareness campaign whereby you take hands with organizations such as that, mm. that can, you know, can come in and can talk to employees. Often employees are very fearful of coming forward and admitting to having a problem. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to happen when I am a new candidate looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen in my first week or until I've passed my probation period. It might not even happen for a year or two years. The only time we find that employees will actually acknowledge they have a problem is when actually they are almost caught yeah. red-handed. Um, and it's all centers around the fact that People think it's okay to be a functioning alcoholic. Or mm. People think that, oh, my, my employers aren't noticing. Um, but we often see that there are small signs that indicate that there isn't a problem. Mm. And, you know, we want people to actually come forward before that problem puts them in a situation where they could potentially lose their jobs. Because the reality is, if I, as an employer... Um, I have a zero-tolerance policy, and that policy is in place because you are operating heavy machinery or you are doing a very risky job. I cannot risk having you come to work um, doing that job, and that could potentially then 
endanger the life and safety of us. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the handling of a situation uh, by employers where uh, an employee, where the policy has been stated, it's a zero tolerance policy. Uh, how should employees handle a situation where the employee violates that zero tolerance uh, policy? Because I think there's a case that went, went to court once where um, an, a, an employee did uh, a, a test and somebody had uh, was seen to be above the legal limit. Do you want to talk to me around how they should handle that situation where somebody violates their zero tolerance policy? So normally in a case where the, the policy is known, um, the policy has been fairly drafted, it's reasonable, etc., and an employee violates it, then normally what you would find is an employer will then immediately take disciplinary action against the employee, especially if the employee has not previously come forward or disclosed having any dependency um, um, problems. And that would normally proceed directly into a disciplinary hearing where there is no um, first written warning or a or second written warning or a final written warning. And it goes straight into a disciplinary hearing because often those rules then exist because um, it's such a severe offence in terms of the policy. And then the employer would normally follow um, the, whatever disciplinary um, hearing process as outlined in their disciplinary code and procedure. Um, and that's the thing. The employer needs to be consistent in that where employees do violate that employees are then um, disciplined in the same or similar manner. Yeah, okay. I know that uh, we have to let Tesha's go, but we're going to continue our conversation with Rice Evans, who's the Managing Director at Alcosafe. And I see your call, Andris Nkwakwa, and you are disagreeing with the zero-tolerance policy. So I'm going to say thank you to Tesha uh, for the time that you've afforded us. And Rice, we'll continue our conversation uh, with you in a short while. It's 11.31. It's time for the news headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Just in case you just joined the conversation, uh, we have been in uh, conversation with Tesha's Vessels. Uh, he had to go at 11.30. He's a, he's a legal director at Strategy Labor Solutions. Also on the conversation is uh, Rice Evans, the managing director at Alcosafe. At the heart of our discussion has been uh, zero, the zero tolerance policy on alcohol consumption and substance abuse in the workplace. We've got a caller, Rice, if uh, you're still listening. Andris in Kwakwa, you are disagreeing with uh, the zero tolerance policy on alcohol su- uh, consumption in the workplace. Hi, Andres. Hello, This policy is so bad because sometimes you age Magunya and that is that made Magunya is making you as if you are drunk. Ah, come on. Come on, Please, I, 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 I eat maguinha and maguinha never, le, let's be grown up about it, maguinha never make you look like you are drunk. Ma'am, uh, we are talking about the breathalyzer, isn't it? Not, uh, we're talking about a policy, policy. we're talking about the a policy. policy. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they must uplift it to five at least, to five at least, because sometimes, okay, let's say you were drunk yesterday, you are smelling <laughs> alcohol, but you are not drunk. 
<sighs> okay. I, I, you know what I'm hearing. You know what I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing yes. that uh, functioning alcoholic arg- arg- argument again. Is that the one that you're bringing? Because you're saying if I was drunk yesterday and I do the breathalyzer in the morning, then you know they can still detect that alcohol, but I'm not really drunk. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, and, uh, and, and like, like this thing, when you got flu, this is winter time of KG. Uh, 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 this medicine you're drinking got the alcohol of nine uh, volume. So all those things can combine with uh, make it as if you are drunk, but you know, maybe you are sick, you got the flu, and this energy drink, what is your, what you call bioplast, got alcohol <laughs> volume of 10. You I, even, I'm, I'm you even know the, the alcohol volume in Bioplast. Yes, okay. What do you mean? Uh, that's interesting to me, Andres. What do you mean when you say I'm a professional drinker? What do you mean? Meaning I drink responsibly, man. So I drink responsibly and I make all uh, the way I drink. I don't want to bother someone. Maybe uh, I, I can come with an excuse. Oh, I was drunk. I was like this, like this. The painful is even if you are not drunk. Maybe uh, like that example I'm giving you of Magunya. When you you just ate Magunya, five minutes ago, ma'am, you go to breathalyzer. I'm telling you, it shows two, 2.5. Hmm. It sounds like it's something you've gone through, but I want uh, 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 Rice to come in. Can you hear what, uh, um, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Andres just said, Rice? Yes, I heard, yeah, I heard very clearly. Thanks. So I think, look, it's again, it's, a, um, it's just a question of a misunderstanding of how the, the breathalyzers work, how the policy is, is worded. So I think there's a is a good opportunity here to to really understand the difference between um, employees that are really brought through that policy and the understanding of it and how the instruments work properly and and the person like Andres who has not been um, put through an awareness program where he's actually aware of how the instruments work, how mm. alcohol comes out of his body and how those various substances which he's brought up now would have affected the instruments and, and obviously the implementation of that that substance abuse policy. So when when a person often refers to I was drunk yesterday but tomorrow is a problem and uh, I was not mm. I was no longer drunk and reporting for work. Mm. What they don't understand is that the zero tolerance policy um, says that you may not report to work with a level of alcohol in your blood above zero mm. because it becomes a, a question or um, an argument about are you under the influence? Are you not capable of doing your work? Um, one person may be uh, more intoxicated or show more severe symptoms than another person after drinking two beers compared to another person. You know, so um, there isn't an exact way of proving this person is this. Um, you know, they, they've they've got this uh, issue or um, inability to do to do work. So yeah. the only way to do this fairly and to make sure that everyone is sober when arriving at work is to have a zero tolerance policy where you do test people to make sure that there's no alcohol in their system yeah so these are not unreasonable things because a human liver can remove approximately 17 milliliters of of alcohol in an hour so that's the equivalent of about one beer 340 mils five percent alcohol so you know a, a person could drink from the time they knocked off work at five o'clock until eight o'clock at night they could actually drink six beers um, 
that, that particular size, uh, it would take their liver about six hours to break that down. So, you know, if they drank those six beers from eight o'clock until two o'clock in the morning, they would be under the influence of alcohol. But thereafter, because the six hours have passed, um, they would no longer have alcohol in their system. Mm. So for a person to drink today and test positive the next day and say, but they're not under the influence, um, maybe they are not severely intoxicated. But if they're still testing positive the next day, it means that they have drank so much yesterday that there's still alcohol present in their blood when they're tested. And that indicates a, a level of, of alcohol above zero, which is against that company's policy. Yeah. So again, it's just a, it's an understanding of what one person believes is drunk um, compared to what the company policy is that you may not arrive with a level of alcohol above zero. Yeah, because I suppose uh, the, the the company belongs to the company owners and uh, they are the ones who can determine who works uh, for them and under what condition they have to be. Yes, and of course they're responsible for the safety of the other employees there as well. Mm. So um, the, the General Health and Safety, sorry, Occupational Health and Safety Act, it's, it's General uh, Safety Regulation 2A, says that you as an employer may not allow people under the influence of alcohol to enter or remain at a workplace and that you are responsible for providing a safe workplace for everybody. Yeah. So if you are knowingly allowing people in that are under the influence of alcohol, um, you, you're not complying with those acts and, and you can become liable for that as well. Yeah. Okay. We've got another caller, Mark in Durban. Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, the gentleman, he um, covered quite extensively what I wanted to comment about. In the company, we have zero tolerance, but where the issue comes in is that when we work uh, for another, uh, um, what you call it, another company, uh, where we get a contract from another company and they have zero uh, zero tolerance. So if the staff arrives there under the influence, then there is part of the contract that you could they could actually take the contract away from you. And if it is continuous, then you place that that gentleman or that person places the company at risk. So it's not only about him, mm. it's about the future of the whole company. Mm. So this is the uh, the issue that we try to like conscientize the staff about is not only about you, it's about the whole company and mm. also the other parties. The, the entire value chain. Yes, yes, ma'am. That's, yeah. that's important. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, Mark, thank you so much. Do you want to comment on that, Rice? Uh, yeah, so it's it's quite a common thing amongst big companies, big corporates. So um, your mining companies, uh, your petrochemical companies, they will actually award a, a company a contract on their site um, and they will test every single person entering that site every single day. Um, if my company is awarded a contract there and one of my employees tests positive, they will be banned from that site, that particular employee. Um, and quite often there's knock-on effects for the company as well. So, for instance, they might say that um, if you have three offenses from within your own employees during a six-month period, then your contract is going to be terminated because your your company is putting the risk of of the other workers within that that um, site at risk mm. as well. Mm. So quite often, what you see is that companies who have contracts with these bigger companies, um, they will actually test their employees prior to allowing them to go to that that site to commence work because they realise the risk of allowing one of their employees to arrive there under the influence that that places on their entire company as well and the contract that they have.
Yeah. And then uh, we have another caller in Zola in Bloemfontein who wants to talk the important uh, the importance of the policy and an awareness campaign needing to become more visible. Zola, good morning. Hi, KG. Hi. And hi to your guests. Mm. Yes. Yeah, KG, I think good that morning. the policy is very important because uh, it's not only about the, the employee who is using substance, but also about the safety of his or her colleagues, mm-hmm. and also about the property of the company to protect the property from, from being damaged. And if that employee is a driver, he may go out and cause an accident. It can also be a danger to other road users, mm-hmm. where by the end of the day, a company can be sued to what we call a vicarious liability. So it is important. And the employee, I think, has got a legal obligation to ensure to hold awareness sessions. In my previous employer, we used to hold awareness sessions. Mm-hmm. And we used to work with wellness, whereby we invite them, they must come forward if they have a problem with substance abuse. And the failing of which, if the person has, found, has been tested and found that he been, he's been using alcohol or any substance, then the employer will engage him through wellness. To yeah. say, Do you have a problem? Yeah. If the employer is in denial, we will immediately then go the disciplinary hearing way. But if he admits that I have a problem, it will then be treated as a disease, whereby he can be assisted and also be referred to a rehabilitation center. Yeah. But if he's in denial, it's a, it becomes a problem. So employees must come forward and be assisted. Yeah. So they still the chance to, to keep their job. But if they're in denial, I think legally speaking, the employer's got the right to go to a disciplinary hearing because you cannot assist an employee as a person who does not admit that I have this problem. Yeah, and thanks. must also ensure that awareness sessions are held more regularly, maybe every quarter, so that employees know there must be a rule in place. It must be known. It must apply consistently. The employers must also be consistent in the application of the rules. Thank you, yeah. KG. Thank you, Zola. I think that's a great place to leave it at, Tashas, because I, I ask myself, uh, considering what Zola has said, uh, for example, the issue of alcoholism, uh, you can never force somebody into submission on, on that problem, can you? Even even if you're their, their employer, especially considering what uh, Tashas, uh, from a legal perspective, said earlier around alcoholism being seen as a mental problem, what is the best way to deal with it? Because, you know, Zola is saying if somebody doesn't admit that they're a problem, they go straight to D.C. But what if they don't even haven't reached the point where they realize that they actually have a problem? Yeah, so there's two kind of thoughts of uh, school of thoughts on this. Um, the older school of thoughts is really that you can't help someone that doesn't want help, who's not willing to get help. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was sort of held true for quite a long time. Um, the new school of thought is that quite often people don't realize that they can get help until they're given it. So I don't think we should give up on people that don't immediately ask for help or mm. don't immediately take help. Because mm. I've, I've seen it personally with, um, with people that we've worked with where they haven't immediately come forward and asked for help. Um, and when they have been given the help or basically been pressed into a situation where they would lose their job or have to go into some type of rehabilitation facility um, after receiving help for some time, then realizing how bad the problem was that they had and that they could actually get help um, and live a normal life uh, free of this addiction. So 
yeah, it, it's more difficult to give people help that aren't ready to admit that they need help. Um, but a person who doesn't admit that they need help um, can also be convinced or educated to, yeah. to take help if they're given that opportunity. Uh, how do people get in touch with Alcosafe, right? Um, yes, yeah, so they can get in touch with us on our webpage. We've got a webpage which is alcosafe.co.za. Um, and then, yeah, they can also get in touch with us via email, which is info at alcosafe.co.za. Um, we do have some inquiry forms on our webpage, quite a lot of good information. Also a lot of um, articles which we do on a, a monthly basis. If they don't want to talk to someone directly, they can scan through those articles and see um, if there's a topic which they have some questions on, which they might find the answer to there. Um, and, of course, all of our contact details, and there's also a WhatsApp line which is available on that, that alcosafe.co.za webpage. Fantastic. Thank you, Rice, uh, for your time. Rice Evans, Managing Director at Alcosafe, uh, go check their website. Thank you to Lebo Musweu and Kanya Bonani, the producers of the show. Don't forget, update at noon with uh, Sakina Kamwendo. It's 11.45, 46, sorry, it's time for the book reading, Lessons from the Boot of a Car for Entrepreneurship and for Life. It's written by Reg Lascaris. It's being narrated by Robert Whitehead. Thank you.